are dismissed to your class. I know they're going to get ready for next week a little bit with uh, a little bit of what's going on with the Christmas. Um, but I did love it that uh, I get to hear a bunch of kids' voices right behind me. What a beautiful, beautiful uh, thing. And I could just uh, enjoy it. And uh, they sing much better than I do. So that is clear. Um, I just want to thank Jay for everything he did last week. Thank you for your time, effort, and just energy of digging into that. Uh, it was uh, uh, very impactful. Uh, I cannot come up with that many slides, even if I tried. Uh, but very impressive uh, uh, slides. Uh, Jason, who does our stuff, I think uh, appreciates the effort of not having that many slides, but <laughs> appreciates the effort of, uh, of uh, the detail of what Jay did. So I'm so excited to be one week out from Christmas. So excited to uh, talk about. I love the, the discussion because even if you're with non-Christians or you're with Christians, Jesus' name just is right there. It's just right there, and it's, it's something that is something that we always get to look back and always remember, and so I'm so excited for that. Um, one thing is I'm not close at all to being done with the wrapping of presents part. I don't know where you're at. Uh, I know that's not the main reason we celebrate. That's not anything, uh, but... That does partake in some of the stuff, and uh, so good luck with you <laughs> wherever you're at and all that kind of stuff. Uh, but even in all that, we know it's not the reason we celebrate. We get to celebrate the hope and joy that we get to have in Jesus. So let's begin with the word of prayer. Dear Father, I just pray right now that your words be done. Your, it's all of you, none of me. Thank you for the time that we got to study, and I got to study into the Word, and just be with us right now as we get to dig into the, the Scripture, get into dig into the Bible, as we get to discover you more and the hope that we have in you. We love and praise you, in Jesus' name, amen. So just so you know, we're going to be in Romans 8, digging in 17 through 25, and while you dig that up, we're going to talk a little bit, but... That's going to be the passages that we're going to be in. So uh, the one thing I wanted to talk about hope is, is and most of us know about the uh, hope in Jesus, but it's also our name. The church name is Living Hope. It, it's something that is on, uh, like, that's important for us, or we wouldn't name ourselves that, correct? So what is that? Hope, what is that? And so, and what does it mean to live it out? Just not hope in general, it's called living hope. So how do we do that? And before we dig into Romans 8, I, I, I have a hope that God will do some miracles in people's lives over this um, next couple weeks, and so on and so on. I have a hope of a God and a Savior that knows me and will meet me on the day of His choosing. And just like the people and prophets of the Old Testament, they had a hope of a future Messiah that would come and fulfill the Torah. 
we now have seen that hope, and now because of that hope, we trust and hope and wait upon him and his rule and his reign. So before we dig into Romans 8, 17 through 25, I just want you to know it's very hard to break down Romans 8 just into those eight verses. I am telling you, I do not have enough time to dissect all of Romans 8. So I am encouraging you, just read it. It is a beautiful chapter. It is an amazing chapter. And I thought about just reading the whole chapter, but I encourage you to spend some time uh, maybe this week into it. Uh, Paul is writing here, and he is basically talking about the spiritual freedoms that we get by being into Jesus, by, by being with Jesus. And Wearsby and uh, some other people have these sort of uh, and other commentaries talk about four things that's, real, uh, that's happening in Romans 8. And I'm just giving you these just to break it down just a little bit. Um, and then we'll dig into uh, the main verses that we're talking about. Uh, Romans 8, 1 through 4, is, is a lot of talking about that there's no condemnation. There's a freedom from judgment. Uh, Jesus fulfills all these things. Uh, Romans 8, 5 through 17 is more about there's you know, no obligation. It's more, it's a freedom um, from defeat. Now, Romans 8, 18 through 30, and we'll be dealing with most of this is, uh, today, is no frustration, a freedom from discouragement. And then finally, uh, Romans ends up with from 8, uh, 31 through 39, are, there's no separation. There's freedom from fear. So I just wanted to give you a quick little heads up of that. But we're going to read Romans 8, 17 through 25 right now. Um, and so let's read. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provide we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. For I consider that the suffering of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the Son of God. For the creation was subjected uh, to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for the adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope, for who hopes for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. So what is hope? Point number one, hope. It's an anticipation of a future that is better than the present. Some people use the word hope as like, uh, is excited giddy, maybe, uh, maybe a little unsure. Looking up the definitions of hope, <laughs> it says a feeling of expectation, a desire for a certain thing to happen. 
Baker's Evangelical Dictionary says to trust in, wait for, look for, or desire something or someone, expecting something. Now, there's two examples in the Old Testament that are talked about here, and they're used of the um, Yahal is used, means to wait for. And, and it's used like this, like an example is that of Noah. Noah had to Yahal for the water to go down. And there's also the Kavah, which means to wait. It's related to the word Kavah, which means cord. And the reason, so what I was going to do is I was going to get a huge bungee cord and have one group on one side pull and one group on the other side pull. And then I thought lawsuits might happen. Uh, so I decided not to. I decided to do it myself. And so what happens when a cord is pulled? And like, I know I didn't get the biggest cord, but if you're like, if you're up here close, you can see that there's this tension that is happening. Yeah, you thought I was really strong, All right? Yeah, yeah, oh my goodness. Yeah, so don't hurt yourself, John. Uh, there's a tension. There's this anticipation of what's going to happen. There's this, this waiting, this hope. Now, that is not to say it's not optimism, okay? There's a difference, okay? Optimism is more about choosing to see an, in a situation how circumstances might work out. It's, it's being able to work out for the best. But when we look at biblical hope, biblical hope is not focused on circumstances. The Bible Project puts it this way. Hopeful people in the Bible often recognize that there is no evidence things will get better besides the scripture, but you choose hope anyway. And I, I love this because we have seen that in the process of our daily living. Uh, Max had talked about it a couple weeks ago about when, when, uh, when stuff was going on with sickness and other people have said this, what do they go back to? You know, you go back to the knowledge and hope of the promises that have been done in the past. But in this situation, in the circumstances, you might not be able to see how it's going to be worked out. There's a difference because so many times in the situation, don't we love to have our plans? I got a five-year plan, I got a four-year plan, and all this kind of stuff happens. And then all of a sudden, a wrench comes into it. Someone gets sick. All of a sudden, there's no money. COVID happens. Stuff outside of our situation. All of a sudden, we, we have all these plans. That's a difference. Optimism is different than hope. But you choose hope anyway. I like this. Hope is, a, is the proper response to the promises of God. And a great example of this is Abraham. Abraham serves as a prime example here. Even though he was very old, he had confidence that God would fulfill his promises. In his mind, did he think he was going to have children? No. Abraham was even promised children. And even then, he, in his circumstance, he did not see it. But in hope in God, it could be done. Against all Abraham 
in hope believed from Romans 4, 18. And like Abraham, we can trust in God's promises and seize the hope set before us. As Hebrews 6, 18 says. And as Romans 15, 4 even says, we are told that the scriptures uh, engender hope. And so we have to live in this. So God's past faithfulness that motivates hope for the future. You look forward by looking backwards, trusting in nothing other than God's character. We get to look back in God's faithfulness, his past faithfulness, and this motivates us now. The birth of the Messiah, Jesus Christ, was the hope for many in the Old Testament prophets. We celebrate that this, this next week as a remembrance of the hope yet to come. The empty tomb that was opened opened a new door of hope to all people, Jews and Gentiles. Peter called the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus made it, made it a way to us living hope. Hence our church name. Let's get this. The empty tomb that was opened, opened a new door to hope. And that would not have happened if it wasn't for the hope of the birth of the Jesus, of the Messiah. It builds up. And Peter called the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus living hope. And that us as people can be reborn through Jesus. And in the New Testament, they use the Greek word elpis as a means of this anticipation hope. Paul talks about the elpis as based on a person, the risen Jesus, who as overcome death. It's a hope that creation itself will be liberated from slavery to corruption and into freedom when God's children are glorified. So we're going to now dig into Romans 8. I wanted to hear it, but I wanted to get to the sense because I think sometimes when we hear these words, joy, hope, peace, we think of them as just feelings. They are not just feelings. It is looking back at to who God's character is, who he's been, and who he will continue to be. That's why, doesn't it hurt you so much when your special loved one does something? Why does family hurt the most? Because there has been something broken that you thought was there. Because you had hoped that they would be consistently who they say they were. And then usually what happens is that is lost. Something gets broken. And now there's no peace there. There's no joy there. There's something that has been lost because of something that's actually happened. Because it's been broken. And you know what's really funny is we put that on God in a circumstance because it didn't work out the way we wanted it to. So we treat God as someone who's broken stuff, even though he has never done that. But we as humans like to put that characteristic onto him. Does that make sense? Like we want him to fit into the way we view it. And so if something goes wrong, it could not be my fault. It's God's fault. Just like when relationships go wrong. How quickly do you want to defend yourself? This last week, I said something, put my foot in my mouth. I wasn't paying attention. My wife was talking, driving in the car, and she brought, brought up a point, and all I did 
was I started thinking selfishly. I just started thinking about my own world. Wasn't paying attention. And all of a sudden, then I'm like talking about myself. And I don't know if you've ever been there, men. Just say the wrong thing at the wrong time. Yep, <laughs> there you go. Just, just, you just do it. And all of a sudden, it's like, ah. Oh. And then when you know it, then all of a sudden you're like, I want to defend myself. Like you come up with a million reasons where you didn't do anything wrong. Even though you know deep down, you're like, oh, I can do this. I can. And that's when we get in trouble because it's so quick for us to defend ourselves. Just like Adam and Eve. Uh, it was her fault. She was the one. Like we don't take responsibility. And that's, that's what we're sort of digging into is I just don't want us to be like, oh, I have, I have hope. No, no, you've got hope. And the hope is here in the life and death and resurrection in the celebration of the birth that we get to celebrate next week that Jesus came. Like people in this did not get to, the people in the beginning of this did not get to experience Jesus. They were hopeful for the Messiah to come. Because they knew God would do what he said he was going to do. But we get to see it from a different version. We get to see it from the back version and see this hope. And now we get to share this hope. And that's exciting. Let's look at Romans 8, 17 here. Again together. And we're going to start in verse 17 and we'll go through it. And if children... Then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ provide. We suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. We live in a world that says only good things happen if you follow Christ. I know most of us have that, but we are battling like, hey, if I follow Christ, things are going to work out. When you hear even the word of hope, you're like, oh, there's hope. Like, yeah, that's a positive. Like, joy. Like, when we hear these things, we lean to it. But you know that, on average, 13 Christians are killed each day for their faith. And I, I, I sort of went down a rabbit hole of some, like, martyrs that have been all over the place. Um, and one, I chose one that was sort of uh, where most of you guys ha, uh, have heard, and that's of Diedrich Bonhoeffer. Uh, Diedrich Bonhoeffer um, was a German Lutheran pastor. He was a theologian. He was really anti-Nazi, the Senate, who was a key founding member uh, of the confessing, the confessing Church. And most of you might have heard some of his writings. He's done uh, writings and have become widely influential. Um, uh, his 1937 book, The Cost of Discipleship, is described as a modern classic. Uh, he's known for um, his staunch, uh, staunch resistance to the Nazi dictatorship, including vocal opposition of Hitler's uh, um, killing programs and genocidal procedures of the Jews. And he was arrested in April 1943 by the Gestapo and imprisoned um, for one and a half years. Bonhoeffer was sentenced to death on April 8, 1945. And he was sentenced without witnesses, records of proceedings, or a defense. 
He was executed there by hanging uh, at dawn at 9 a.m. on April 1945. This is what Bonhoeffer was stripped of his clothing and led naked into the execution yard where he was hanged with six others. What was his hope in? As you're going to see, suffering doesn't mean that there's not hope. And we have to get this, this thoughts in our mind that everything, of just everything's going to work out. And because it's a double-edged sword, everything is going to work out. But it might not work out the way you want it to work out. There's a different thing. It's going to work out for God's glory. The hope. He knew going against the Nazis would bring heat, would bring trouble. And you can look at it all. You can look at the disciples, their lives. No one loves bringing them up when we're talking about, oh, your blessings and all that kind of stuff in our life. Like, they suffered for the Lord. That does not mean that they did not have hope. They did not have trust. They did not wait for Jesus. Verse 18, for I consider that the suffering of the, this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. We as humans love to think of the now. Going back to my wife's situation, had a little bit of a, uh, like me making a mistake, saying something. I'm thinking, ah, instead of just saying sorry, let me see if I can get out of it. I'm thinking in the now. Like I want to get out of this situation now. I don't want to have to deal with it later. When I should have dealt with it properly, said I'm sorry, said it, fixed the situation, so later on it heals faster. But so many of us want to worry about the now. We don't think about it. I love, and I know Doug brings this up multiple times reading the Psalms. We talk about the Psalms as we need an eternal perspective. We need a longer term perspective than the five minutes that we're thinking about right now. And that is very hard for us humans. It's very hard for us. It's very hard for me. It's very hard. Verse 19, for the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. The future glory that is coming when Christ comes back is so stupendous, awesome, amazing, that all creation eagerly anticipates the revelation of God's children. This is not just people. This is all things, all, all creation. When sin came on, all, the, all things are not right. All things, their sin has entered. Read 20 through 22. It says, for the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be set free 
from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. And that looks, and I, if you're writing verses, that goes back to Genesis 3, 17 through 19. And that says this, if you're looking, talking about the suffering. And to Adam, he said, because you have listened to the voice of your wife and have eaten of the tree of which I commanded you, you shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because of you. In pain you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles it shall bring forth to you, and you shall eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your face you shall eat bread, till you return to the ground. For out of it you were taken, for you are dust, and dust you shall return. So creation is also subjected to the the fertility of God. Thus it also waits for the day of the liberation of God's children. Sin has entered and all of it needs to go back and it can't be right until Christ comes back, until his glory is back. Verse 23 and 24, and not only the creation, but ourselves who have the first fruits of the spirit grown inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies for in this hope, we were saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope. For who hopes for what he sees? Have you ever experienced something and wanted more of it, but know it might not be the same? When I was, uh, <clears throat> when I was a little kid, our family used to do uh, a Disney trip like every three years. So we go down to Disney we do a family Disney trip, and this was a, a long time ago, and it was, you know, Disney at that time was one of the most wonderful places on earth. You know, that was their slogan or whatever, and we would go and we'd do the trip. When you're a kid, and you have free access to candy, rides, like, you're having a great time. It's, it's great. Like, your experience is like, oh, this is a lot of fun. What else as a kid? We were also at the stage where we loved our parents. You know, we hadn't hit the, the upper teenage stage, so we're still having a great time. We're, we're enjoying it all, and we're having a, a blast of doing everything, and we're enjoying the whole experience. So we went a few years ago um, and took the kids. I didn't have the same experience. <laughs> Things had changed. Things had changed on a lot of different fronts. Some from clearly Disney side, and some that I'm older. I see things a little bit differently. It was not the same experience that I remember in the past. Like, the expectation was different. It, it had changed. I sort, of, I sort of knew what it was, but I sort of didn't. Now, I am not comparing apples to apples, but I want you to know something. When you get to experience a glimpse of what Jesus is and who he is, you want the real thing. You want the real 
thing. And then when you can't quite have it, there's this first fruits of like, you know it, but it's not full yet completion. There's not this full completion yet. And that can't happen until Jesus comes back. That cannot happen until things are made right. But because we get to experience the Holy Spirit in us, because we get to experience Jesus in our life, because we get to experience that stuff in, uh, in us, we get to experience the Holy Spirit and the hope and live it out. But our bodies still groan for the full completion. The earth still groans. That's why there's sin still around, correct? Like we're... We still sin. We say we're believers, but we still sin. That's why, that's why the, it's not the, the full completion. God's love's made complete through us. There's no question about that, but we're not quite there. And so there's this, this groaning for the hope of who Jesus is. And that's why through this suffering, that the, there's this beauty, there's this amazingness of, uh, because of who God is. A Schneider commentary says this, We should not be surprised that we have not yet realized all the blessings of our redemption, since hope by definition means that future blessings are not yet ours. So there's this hope of no matter what the circumstance or whatever, that it's not quite completed yet, but I have trust and hope in a God who has shown up throughout history, throughout time. Verse 25 says, but if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. And I like how 2 Peter sort of goes, 2 Peter 3.13 says, but according to his promises, we are waiting for a new heaven and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. Thus, in the present, we wait with endurance for the completion of our hope. I think about the people hoping for the birth of the Messiah, the people waiting for the hope of the Savior of the world to come. And I like how the Bible Project puts it. Biblical hope isn't optimism based on the odds. It is a choice to wait for God to bring about a future that is as surprising as a crucified man rising from the dead. Christian hope looks back to the risen Jesus in order to look forward. How many times in your life have you just known something's not quite right in the world? You know it by the way you live. How many times in, the, in your life has something just feel off? You're like, God, come now. <laughs> I beg for that. God, come now. It's your hope. It's your hope. It's not in something you do or what you do. And my big question for all of us is, what do we put our hope in? Do we put our hope in eternal things? Or do we put our hope in earthly things? And the reason why this is so challenging is for me is because next week, I don't want it just to be one week where we put all of our hope into the birth of Jesus. And we celebrate it. It's the life of Jesus. It starts of a celebration of that. But what did his life mean and do to us? What has it caused us to do? 
Is my hope in my job? What my bosses think about me? How they look at me? Is it into my coworkers that my hope is in? Is it in my house? Is it in my things? Is it in my car? Is it in my, in the, uh, the, my relationship with my significant other? Is it with my children? Some of those are good things. Some of those are not so good things. But they're all hope in the wrong things. I love my girls more than anything. Sitting there, having her lay on me, it's great. Love it. Good father moment. Nothing better. But I'm telling you, I can tell you with 100% certainty, I go, all I was praying at that moment is like, may her hope be in you, God. May her hope be in you, not me. I want to have a great father-daughter relationship. But it is about the hope that is found in Jesus Christ, not the hope in a situation or a circumstance. And I know many of us know this, but we have to live it out. We have to start implementing it because the problem is, is there is a lack of hope in the world today. Their hope is in things. Their hope is in other stuff. And we have the true hope, but many of us are scared to live it out to the fullest, even though we get to show people another piece of the glimpse. I've been very convicted of do I invite my neighbors over? And that's why I want to do life groups. That's why I want to do discipleship groups. Do I invite my neighbors over, not for us to just have a great relationship, but to show the living hope that's inside of me through Jesus Christ? Because I want them to experience the hope. I want them to know the hope. And only you can answer that. Only you can answer what your hope is, what your what that is. As I said earlier, God's past faithfulness that motivates hope for the future. You look forward by looking backwards, trusting in nothing other than God's character. You want to know God's character? It's right here. You want to know it? It's right here. And you get to experience it. And you get to dive in it. That's why, I want, I, that's why I push for discipleship groups. Because you're reading scripture together with other people. And you're digging into it. And you're sharing your life and doing that. That's why I want the, the, the times here where we get to meet. But I realized it too is at most, at most, usually my sermons are 30 minutes. Some are a little bit longer. Some are, wish, I'm sure you wish were shorter. But they're 50, 52 Okay, so they're 30 minutes. So how many, how long do I get to talk to you in a year? Someone do the math. 26 hours. 26 hours in a whole year. It's a little bit more than, but it's also not that much. It's less. It's, you're working part time with those hours. And so that's why I always got it and it made sense. If you're only in the Bible on a Sunday, it's not going to really, really impact you. You'll know some stuff. But my challenge is, what's your hope in? And that's where you'll see your time, your money, your effort. It's by how then you live it out. Because if your hope is in Jesus, then why won't you share your hope in Jesus? 
Because if you aren't sharing your hope in Jesus, then is your hope really in Jesus? Or is it talking about the Indianapolis Colts losing a 36-0 lead last night? Which was horrible, by the way, but I'm not even a fan, but that was... But what is your hope? Your hope is what you live it out. You talk about it. You do it. I don't want it just to be another Christian concept that I understand and I know. But I want you to know it. Because when times are hard and tough, that's what you go back to. That's, that's what you cling to. So now we are, as a church, a church that knows a lot of stuff, but we have to live it out. And next week we get to live it out with each other. That's why I'm so excited. I love my family. I love them. But you know what? This is my family. You are my brothers and sisters in Christ. And we will get to experience Jesus' hope and promises someday together. What a joy. That's why I love this. We get to do it together. But I am challenging you. Don't just hold on to it. Don't be like, okay, yes, I'm, I'm doing, I'm going through life. No, share the hope with others. Live out the hope. Be the hope through Jesus in your life. And if you have questions, there's cards down there. That's why we have the cards. We will, I'll pray with you. Their elders will pray with you. Other people, write them down. That's why we're in this together. As I talked about in the beginning, our name is Living Hope. The challenge is, is it just our name? Or are we living that name out? of living Jesus. Are we living Jesus? Let's pray. Dear Father, I thank you for you sending your son to come down here to earth, to an earth that was groaning, to an earth that knew it had sin, death, destruction, But you sent your son down to make an opportunity for us to be with you, to be one. And I thank you for the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. And he's my hope. He's our hope. as we have that hope may we live that hope out may we share that hope because of the wonders of the stunning spectacular glorious amazing powerful worthy life of Jesus I thank you for you sending the Holy Spirit for us to be able to live it out and right now, I pray for anyone in this room that is struggling with hope, that is struggling with a circumstance, that is struggling with an issue. I pray that it does not stay hidden, but it gets out in the open, that they, they either write it down or they tell someone. Because the 
we can't live this without the hope of Jesus. And I just pray for them right now that they'll have the courage to reach out. I thank you for all of what you've given us. I thank you for this time together. Will you be with us this week as we meet with family, meet with friends, and celebrate Christmas? But I cannot wait till next Sunday that we get to celebrate together as a family the birth of you. We love and praise you, and we give you all the glory. In Jesus' name, amen.